You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Never Sleeps Networks Talking Wrestling. And I am your host, Casey Corbin, and thank you for joining us today on the podcast. And uh, we are in beautiful, uh, sunny Los Angeles right now. And it is a beautiful day as the TNW pod is on tour. Uh, last night, took in a great show at the Globe Theater downtown Los Angeles. New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling was in town. And uh, what a show that was, but more about that a little later. Uh, first, you know what we have to do. Uh, you have to hit us up on all those social media outlets. So if you're on Spotify, give us a follow there or a like there. If you're on the Twitter at TNWPod, check us out there. Give us a comment. You know, do, do the Twitter stuff on the Twitter thing. Uh, on the Instagram, you, we are at Talking Wrestling uh, Podcast. Very simple. Uh, actually, that's probably the most difficult one. On the Gmail, send us a Gmail and uh, let us know how you, what do you think about the show at uh, TalkingWrestling at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook at Talking Wrestling uh, as well. Uh, what am I forgetting? Oh, rate, review, subscribe on the old iTunes. And if you give five-star rating and a favorable review, we'll send you a wrestling postcard from my 1984 Wrestler's Postcard book. Uh, if, if you're looking for The Rock... It's not going to happen. You're more likely to get his dad or, uh, you know, Captain Lou Albano or somebody who was really important back in, uh, back in, you know, this, back in the 84. Like, for example, I'm in uh, California right now where there's a lot of wildfires and a popular wrestler back in 84, Wildfire Tommy Rich. He's available. So leave us those uh, reviews. With that said, uh, we're very lucky to be here right now. I've got a great guest for you. A uh, good friend of mine. I've known him for years, and uh, he's uh, well. He directs, and uh, he's uh, had a few Netflix specials, uh, specifically specials that uh, he's directed for Rory Scovel and Todd Glass. And he's sitting with me right now, Scott Moran. Welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Welcome. Hey, hi. Thank you. Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm you doing good? good, man. I'm doing great. Yeah, actually. yeah. Yeah. You got the Seattle hat on. They pulled off a huge win last night. Uh, I'm a Chargers fan. I just have are this. You? Yeah. But what this is they? my second team. This is my hometown team. Yeah. But and what I like the old school logo, not the new flowers no, and green. No, it's sort of the old school Seattle logo looks like the old school Vancouver Canucks logo. Right. And I think the reason they changed it is because this Seahawk logo is actually, yeah. a lot of people don't know this, based on Native American art oh, totally. from the Haida tribe. Yes. And I think they changed it to kind of to, go away, it, to yeah. go away from that. Yeah. Which I don't know. And understand. it's like it's like this is one of the things that the NFL is doing right with natives. And they choose <laughs> to like we gotta get away from that. But right. the Redskins are, are yeah, fine. You, yeah, go the other way. Go to the other side of the country. Yeah, not, it doesn't not make the same any, story, but it doesn't make any sense. But uh but we're not here to talk football unless we're talking football players that become wrestlers. But uh <laughs> which have has been an episode before. Uh but we're here just to talk wrestling. And uh, when I came down this week, I had uh, three or four uh, fight nights planned. We had bar wrestling, um, Joey Ryan's bar wrestling on Wednesday. On the Friday night, we had uh, a, a suburban fight at midnight. And before that was at GCW. 
And uh, and I found out when I got here that uh, my buddy Scott was coming with us to the GCW card, which I didn't even know uh, he was a wrestling fan because when we met, I don't think you were a wrestling fan. And, well, we never talked wrestling before. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I thought it was sort of funny that you were coming to the show. And I, I was excited again. I, well, same time because spent time with you because it's been a long time. But uh, I was excited to hear what you told me, like how you've gotten back into wrestling. Right. I was going to say, I'm not a wrestling expert. So anybody listening to this for like, ooh, a new wrestling expert, that's not me. No. <laughs> Here's my, I'll tell you my wrestling story. I started, I loved wrestling when I was in fifth and sixth grade. And then as the story goes, you get a little older, you stop watching wrestling. And then as you become an adult, or at least as I became an adult, I started to like get back into the network a little bit. And I was like, I should watch some of these old WrestleManias. Oh, I enjoy this. And then, you know, I had like a party at my house every time my girlfriend left. I'd call it <laughs> Dude Fest, and I just would only invite dudes over. And this is right when I moved to L.A. about six years ago. And then I'd invite Matt and Vince over because we we're friends. And Matt was like, we're putting on the network. And I was like, all right, put on wrestling. And then he would just DJ wrestling matches for us for all the the non-wrestling people in the house and yeah. get us super excited about it yeah. and crack us up. And then I just slowly, in the last five or six years, I've been just dipping my toes every few months, and now it's like full on, oh, I watch wrestling every day again. Well, not <laughs> only that, like Los Angeles is such a great place to be for wrestling. Like Toronto's right. great too, because Toronto has a, lot, a huge independent scene mm-hmm. with like maybe six different indies in and around the city that you can choose from. But, um, but California is just cool. It's like... This is where skateboarding started. This is where cool things happen. And this is where great wrestling happens right now. And so to see the guys that come out of L.A., like especially if you go to a PWG card or you know the shows that they come in here are always fantastic. And uh, I think Ricochet was on the first PWG I went to. The first PWG I went Well, the only PWG I went to, uh, Matt took me to Reseda when it was that's, still there. Yeah, that's when I went to. And, uh, <laughs> and it was... Again, it was like he was sitting here, I was sitting behind him, and um, he was like, have a hand on your chair at all times, because as you learned the other night, you never know when they're coming towards you, Mm -hmm. or when they plan on just using your chair, and then you lose a chair. So, then you have to stand. So, it's like, it's crazy, and Ricochet was uh, in the main event that night with uh, Chuck Taylor. So... It was pretty cool uh, seeing Rick say, not only that, seeing a lot of stars before you see them before they hit the WWE. I would love to agree with you, but I don't actually watch current WWE. <laughs> so I only know Ricochet is in there because of, of podcasts. Yeah. But the thing is, 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 you're saying that, but most people today are not even happy with the current WWE. That's what I understand. That's why I'm not trying to get into it. Until I hear the general consensus being like, yeah, it's good again, then maybe I'll get back into yeah. it. Yeah. Because that's like that's the great thing about right now is there's so many options to to torrent to if to get your wrestling your wrestling fix from elsewhere. Uh, New Japan is probably the best pure wrestling out there as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. and it was great. And like, you know, any indie show you're gonna see twenty suicide dives. Like the other night we were at uh, we were at the Game Changer CW show, and it got, one match got like the dives got so ridiculous. Where it's was just the, like the first match? No, the maybe it was the last match where the guy did the corkscrew dive and came down. Oh right, right. And it was on the far side from where we were, but it was just like, it, to me, it's just 
when you when you have ten guys stand like standing out there, plus the door guys coming over, and they're just standing out there, and they're you know waiting for the guy to fall. I'm like that to me is the worst because it's like I know it's not real, but at the same time this makes it look like at least try it's like the timing is off and it looks stagey or exactly something. it yeah. looks like it's so staged it's like, it looks amateur hour like uh, some sort yeah. of grade school play you know where they yeah i'm not a out. fan of the staginess although i just feel like in general when you watch it live you do see a little bit more of the staginess mm-hmm. as opposed to when you watch it on tv or like i've been watching nwa power yes you can see they cut they, they cut to a different camera angle, and I think they can eliminate that staginess a little exactly. bit on TV. Well, I remember the first time seeing wrestling where I saw a guy throw a drop kick, and he totally missed him. And I was like, why did he fall down? He didn't even hit him. <laughs> you know. But to the people up in the nosebleeds. Yeah, they're like, oh, my God, he broke his nose. <laughs> or from a different angle. You never know, right? And it's just it's directing. That's something that you know. Like It's just having the right camera angle mm-hmm. and it's got to be difficult when you're calling it live because sometimes you make the wrong choices like at wrestlemania last year um the camera angle they went with on the pin for the main event of wrestlemania mm-hmm. ronda rousey lifted her shoulder up and was not down for a three count so whenever they reshow the pin from wrestlemania they use a different camera angle smart because you know it's like we yeah. can eliminate our mistake if we just never show it again, right? So, um, so that's that's crazy. Uh, now, so the the other night we saw a crazy match. It was a, a death match. Um, oh my god! Nobody ever dies in these things, by the way. Uh, but it was crazy, and um, and they they had a, a stable gun part. And um, <sighs> I'm getting stressed out thinking about it. Yeah, you took a walk. Like you took, a, you just took well, a no, walk away. Th- that was the f- there was basically two death matches because there was Mance Warner, which yes. was the first one, which was tame, and then the second one was where I had to take a walk. Well, yeah, all the tubing and everything like that. Right. Yeah, it's. Well, I I didn't even walk necessarily because of the tubing. I'll tell you why I walked. Because the last time I was at GCW, the death match was amazing. It was Nick Gage and someone else. I don't know. Don't kill me. Yeah. And it was an amazing match. It was a great match technically, and they were popping each other with light bulbs and body slamming each other through barbed wire doors, and they came up on the stage, and then I looked down, and the chair was bloody, which I took a picture of, (laughs) which is awesome. And then, yeah, it was a fantastic match. He did a pile driver. Nick Gage pile drove him onto... Um, a door that was set up on chairs. Yeah, and, and it was used, incredible. They used doors now instead of tables. Somebody at somebody wrestling at, like works at Home Depot and has a twenty percent off discount. Yeah, realize <laughs> doors are easier to go through. They're less hurtful, and There's they're probably cheaper. In between, you know, it's cheaper. So now it's like uh, we want doors match. Yeah. You know, uh, it's crazy, but. Yeah, it's that, totally like that. Then the match we watched, the death match this time, which was yeah. really my second death match, was, I don't know, I don't want to shit on the wrestlers if they listen to this, but it, no. was, it was not good. No, 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 no. I didn't think, look, at the first death match I saw was the David Arquette-Nick Cage match, and that was like, I still talk about that match to this day. And because uh, I literally wa- almost watched a movie star almost die. Like, it was the most insane thing I'd ever seen in the ring. And then the story afterwards where it was like, 
Oh yeah, Luke Perry drove him to the emergency because the ambulance was already gone with Marty Stunt. I was like, "What? Wait, why, why was Luke Perry there?" You know, I didn't <laughs> I didn't know that his son was a wrestler on the show earlier. And oh right. I was like, I was like, I just thought, "Get me a co-star from Buffy the Vampire Slayer," and then Luke Perry shows up because that's the only movie they were in together. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was. Just, it was just so surreal. Like, this only happens in Hollywood. You know, like right. where else would Luke Perry be in a show where he has to drive David Arquette to the hospital because he got sliced in the throat with a with a fucking fluorescent light tube yeah. from a guy he thought was Nick Cage, but was supposed to but was actually Nick Gage. That's so funny. Yeah, he was like, uh, I thought this was my old brother-in-law. This guy's gonna kill me. Like that was one of his tweets leading up to the fight. <laughs> yeah, and Nick Gage, it was like that's what I knew him from. But the last couple nights that we've seen him wrestle, he's actually wrestled. He yeah, yeah, yeah. Decent matches. Yeah, at the GCW this week, he was just wrestling at the end. Yeah. So the spot <laughs> we thought was hilarious was they pull out they pull out a staple gun, and this uh, is the Mance Warner match, which was fantastic, yes. by the way. They pull out a staple gun, and um, now I've only seen this happen at at, at nudie bars and strip joints. I've only seen it on the movie The Wrestler. Well. Well, not even the staples. It was like, so they, they, the guy stapled a dollar bill to his forehead at first. and then Yeah, and people knew, too, because they were like, here, take my dollar. And yeah. I was like, why are they waving dollars? Yeah, and was, then it, he grabbed one and stapled it to the dude's forehead. Yeah, I thought it was like a strip joint where guys are like throwing dollars at the girls, trying to get the girls to come over. But these guys were like, they jumped in the ring with their dollar, and they're like, please let me hold this dollar while you staple it to his head. I'm like, you're... A sick fuck. Yeah, you're you sick. Know? And then they <laughs> you had should be watching this, not participating. Yeah, these and savage. then they're part of it. And then what happened was one girl had a uh, a face of a wrestler. Now, this was my favorite thing I've ever seen in live wrestling. Yes, it was absolutely a little girl, and we were trying to determine ten, maybe eleven, yeah, maybe. I think maybe and she 11. had um, a cutout of Mance Warner's head, yes. which you've probably people have probably seen on Instagram if you follow Mance. And he pulled her into the ring with that cardboard cutout of Mance's face, and he stapled it to his opponent's head right in front. The, the little girl's in the ring watching it, kind of losing her mind a yeah, little bit. Yeah, not only, like, and not one staple. He stapled the whole thing to his he head. Did it, yeah, he did it a couple times, like two or three times. Yes. And, like, the reactions from the audience was so crazy because people were, like, freaking out. The referee was freaking out. The little girl was freaking out. Everybody was freaking out. I was squirming in my chair. Like, I was like, I can't believe, like, it was, I also don't like needles. Yeah. And I don't like getting a shot. No, no. So seeing a staple in a forehead is kind of hard for me to watch, but I loved it so much. Watching that little girl, like, she was so excited. Yes, you're going to staple my thing to his forehead. Yeah, and she was so (laughs) stoked. And then the real touching moment, the Joe Green moment of Joe Green, a kid, and throwing his shirt at the kids after the football game in that old commercial. Right. There was a Joe Green moment here where he was leaving the ring, and he was like, hey, kid, here's the staple gun. He gave her the staple gun <laughs> of, of legitimate, like, Home Depot thirty nine ninety nine industrial staple gun. The mom is, like, looking at it like, what the fuck did I bring my kid to? Be careful, it's loaded. <laughs> yeah. You know? I... Uh, I, I just picture. What is she going to do with that? Like, I hope they need a staple gun at their home. No, that's what I said. <laughs> I said to you the next day, her mom's going to come in her room and all of her dolls are going to have cut out faces stapled onto them. 
<laughs> just shit stapled all over the dog. She just cuts out, cuts out pictures out of Sears magazines and staples them to her Barbie's face. She's so. like, now this has Mance Warner's face. Or even better, she Googles Mance Warner and just cuts out all Mance Warner faces, and oh all of her dolls now have yeah, Mance Warner faces. It's really, it was really funny, and I was like, it was oddly heartwarming at the end. I'm like, this girl is never going to forget this day of her life. Oh, no. And she has this staple gun to remember it She's going to be one of those girls that probably, like, you see now in the WWE Network, because everything has been, like, you know, so Bailey, she's a popular WWE wrestler. Mm-hmm. Actually, she's the champ right now, I do think. And, um, I thought Bailey had an injury. No, she's she's fine now. She's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's oh, interesting. Back and she's a bad guy. She changed her image. She, I've never seen a match. These are just things yeah. I've heard. So, so what's happened is when she was a kid, same with Sasha Banks, and the same with a couple of the others. They have footage of these of Sasha Banks meeting Lita, and she's crying, and she's like, "You're my hero," and all. Oh my stuff. gosh, that's cool. And then you know, cut to now, Sasha Banks is, and the same with Bailey. They have her meeting people. Of girls like her wrestling stars, and uh, and it's it's crazy, it's crazy, and it's awesome that you know now they're in that position. And you know what? I'm I wouldn't be surprised to see this girl try to become a wrestler in, in a bunch of years. Yep. And then one day I'll like I'll sell her the footage because I did I filmed yeah. for a second. That's the only thing I filmed was that staple in well, the that, that, in the that's match. Definitely the clip, like the highlight of the night that I took home in my brain. It's all I could remember the next day was well, that little girl in the staple gun. <laughs> uh, but there were other great matches too. Eddie yes. Kingston had a great match yes. against uh, against uh, what, against against a guy who has daddy across his tights. I think his name is Effie. Is it? Effie? Oh yeah, that was Effie, right? Yes. Which um, both of those guys are on NWA Power. Are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, NWA Power is is great. Like number one, it immediately it brings you back to the NWA. Yes. Like you feel like this is 1983. This is the NWA. They've replicated the studio, the flags, the ring, everything that's there. Yeah. The broadcast booth right next to it. The interview podium right everything. next to it. They're like, let's just do this, but do it now. And it's very simple, and it's awesome. I even love the the theme song. They use Dawkins into the fire. Yeah, it's amazing. Is, very 80s feel to it. It might be Stripe. Is it Dawkins or Striper? Oh, shut up! Get, get out of here! Get out of here! Oh my god! Oh god! That's uh, that's that's Roy Scoble, who uh, we are taping on his back patio right now, and uh, he's probably I don't even know. And now watch it. Didn't even pick it up, and now this looks really stupid. <laughs> that it was like oh there is. is it, are these those happy. mics that don't pick up anything for more than like six inches away from them? Oh him? no, they pick it up. They oh, pick okay. up. So. But um, but yeah, Rory has been on the show. Uh, he's got the highest rated show. It's like seven, eight hundred. He doesn't even like wrestling. That's the funny thing about it is he doesn't even like. Wrestling. Does he? What did he do on it? Let's just recap his episode. Uh, we talked about if you could be a wrestling manager, what 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 personality would you be? What did he say? He said uh, he would come into uh, Pink Floyd's. Um, we don't need no education. Copyright issue. He would be the. Uh, he would be the the te- teacher, the wizard. No, he'd be the the brain. I can't remember. If he, if he came back out and we said, "Who's your wrestling personality?" Oh, the professor. He's the professor. That's it. Oh, okay. And uh, <coughs> I don't mind. This is sort of in the vein of the genius who I loved. It very similar to the genius who we loved. And you know what? The great thing about the genius was, um, so his dad wore a cap and gown to the ring when his dad was wrestling. 
Oh, so that was like an ode to his dad. Oh, interesting. When he took on that persona. You know, I used to have a leaping Lanny Poffo frisbee that had the poem written on it in Get Sharpie. Get the fuck out. Are you serious? Yeah, my friends caught it at an event. It was in their basement forever. And then at some point I took it over from him and I, I don't know where the fuck it is. I've always wanted to. It had the poem written on it. It was yeah. from Spokane, Washington. Oh, fuck. I, like, first of all, I, I love Lanny Poffo. <laughs> Lonnie Poffo, if if you could if you could just give me a second and I could think of a poem. I'm Macho Man's brother and how I live in his home. I'm leaping Lanny Poffo. I have a nine inch dick. And that didn't rhyme. What's that? That, well, that wasn't. I was gonna rhyme it with prick coming oh. up, but but he, but I love doing Lanny Poffo's voice. That's and, really that sounds very good. And uh, I love the genius and Mr. Perfect and the little sexual innuendos that they would do. Like there's a, a, a real um, homo erotic underlay to Mr. Perfect. And oh, I never caught on to that when you, well, it, go back and watch them on the network. Cause they're like, he's like, Ooh, like perfect will bend over, pick up a golf ball and Lanny will be like, Ooh, like there's little, Oh, you mean when they were paired up together, were they a tag team? Well, Lanny was sort of his manager. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 What so, year was that? Like eighty nine, eighty eight. Maybe even maybe even ninety one. Maybe something. maybe you know the exact year. You're well, like maybe, maybe even maybe. May of nineteen ninety one. Well, I I'm pretty sure it debuted on March fourth. Maybe yeah, who knows? Maybe pretty much that's it. Um, yeah, so, so that's, that's absolutely crazy. Uh, Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston. Um, this was the, the at the end of the night. I was standing on the steps and I was watching the the, the show and. Um, Eddie Kingston walked by me and he nudged me, and I was gonna be like, "Look at pro pro gay speech or not, I don't appreciate you bumping me, Eddie Kingston." <laughs> and I didn't say that, but I was like, "Vince, did you see that? Did you just see who nudged me? Is he got beef with me? What's going on?" <laughs> you know, as if I'm gonna He's... try to go after Eddie Kingston, who you know, I'm pretty sure he would kill me in a real fight. So I don't ever even want to imagine fake fighting with him. Yeah. Can I say something I don't like about GCW? First of all, yeah, I love ahead. GCW, and I try to go to those. Yeah. But they didn't even do it that much, or if at all, this time. But the last time I was there, I really don't like it. It just takes me so much out of it. It's like after the match when the winner goes in and like says the loser is awesome and what yeah. a great wrestler and all that kind of stuff. I don't like that. No. because you know I hate what? that. Yeah, because it's like. Okay, maybe one time. It's hard enough to suspend disbelief as an adult. Now you're going to really make me suspend disbelief by yeah. shattering it in front of my face? And it's always like, like you know, the one guy who's super over feels the need to put over the local guy to right. make him over. Like the worst one of all time. So I saw Mike Speedball Bailey. Um, he wrestled a couple times down in PWG, but he was crossing. I might have, might have seen him. I don't know. But he's incredible. Incredible. And he was wrestling Bobby Lashley in Toronto. And they had a great match together, but it's a mismatch when you look at it. Because Mike Bailey is not a wrestler. He's a martial artist who wrestles. Mm. And um, and and Bobby Lashley is just an enormous, enormous beast. And, you know, after the match, Bobby Lashley came in and gave that the promo of putting him over even more. I'm like, no, no, I watched the match. He's fantastic. Right, like, but that whole speech, I just, yeah, I hate that too. I don't, I'm like, I just can't imagine a scenario, a scenario, a scenario, 
it's been a long time since I've done a podcast. I can't even imagine a scenario where there would be a real fight and then at the end you'd be like, oh, hey, by the way, everybody who gathered around to watch this street fight, I just want to thank my opponent. Like, well, <laughs> wait a minute. Rocky, f- Rocky Four. Oh, yeah. That was the best Rocky too. And it was, yeah, because what other Rocky teaches you actual history? Yeah. I don't know. I just, I mean, obviously the, the whole uh, speech that um, – what did he? What was his name? God damn it! Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston gave this time was very nice, and he was obviously saying this guy's gay. I don't care if you're my fan and you don't like that I'm wrestling a gay guy. Yeah. Screw you. That was all great. I still didn't need it. I didn't just because it. I didn't need him to say nice things about his opponent. I didn't even know to tell. I didn't even need him to tell me the opponent's sexuality. I right. didn't know exactly. any of the other wrestlers' sexuality on the card. I, I'm obviously, I'm for all that stuff, yeah. but in the interest of kayfabe, I am not. Yeah, exactly. It's like, don't pull the curtain out. I don't want to see what's behind there. Yeah. But it was. But regardless, it was a fantastic match. And uh, after s- seeing that Effie guy wrestle two nights in a row, and <laughs> look at me tonight, look at me tonight. No, my God. The- again. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Rory Scoble right. just the- uh, put up a sign on his patio window. We're on his patio, and it just said the professor strikes again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's he's sitting out there listening right now. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things you told me, which was fantastic, we didn't really get into it, but you told me that you've decided because you missed it, you're going back and you're watching Stone Cold's entire WWE run. Uh, not the whole run, just the, from the beginning. Attitude error. Attitude error. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know it's crazy. I was like, that was those were my like. I wasn't in college, but that would have been the time I should have been in college. Yeah. And I just didn't watch any wrestling, and maybe I turned it on a couple times, and I was like, Nah, fuck this. There's no. Where's Brutus Beefcake? Like he was my favorite wrestler. <laughs> Yeah. And then um yeah, and then I just I just never got into that stuff. And now going like now that I'm back into wrestling and everybody's talking about, you know, just the slightest mention of Stone Cold and I'm like, I don't even get Stone Cold. No. I don't get it. Like that's crazy. And then people are like, No, he's the most famous wrestler of all time. Like Hogan is like, No, actually it's Stone Cold. And I'm like, Really? It's arguable. It's arguable, but when you go back and watch that stuff, it's very clear that they're more even than I thought in my silly brain of I not say, watching a lot of wrestling i say it's hogan because the reason being because my mom could name hulk hogan but she couldn't name stone cold well my mom loved both but my mom had my mom didn't never had a hogan hat or a hogan shirt but she had austin shirts and austin hat and i uh, guess i just mean the layman to, to somebody who doesn't know any wrestler you could say name a wrestler oh, and it's probably going to be hulk hogan it's either going to be hogan the rock or Austin. Well, either way, I'm ashamed of myself for having never really watched. And I, I would always ask my buddies, I'd be like, what does three Austin 316? And then I like get the weirdest looks. So it's like, all right, I just have to go watch it and relive yeah. it. So I did that. In the last few months, I started with the uh, few weeks before the 316 Royal Rumble. Yeah. And then I just watched all the way through. the. I'm in about the middle of 98 now. So that was the beginning of 97-ish. Yeah. All the way through 98. I've watched... All of those Raws and pay-per-view in sequential order, and it was so fantastic. Well, because here's the thing. is, is And like, I bet real wrestling fans are probably jealous of me that I get to go back and experience that for the first time. Yeah, because like, okay, so I was a fan of, of, of Steve Austin when he was in the WCW. He was stunning Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. He was part of the Dangerous Alliance. He was uh, teamed up with Rick Rude. 
Uh, Arn Anderson, Larry's a bit. But he was he, he was nowhere near as over as the Stone Cold, right? Not at all. Not at all. He had feuds with Ricky Steamboat. Uh, he oh he was in a tag team with Brian Pillman. Mm-hmm. Called the Hollywood Blondes, mm-hmm. and they were fantastic and before their time. But the minute they got really good, they split them up. Eventually, he left WCW. He went to ECW for a little bit, and then uh, and ECW they let him talk on the mic and be himself. You saw flashes of Stone Cold there, but really, when they brought him into the WWE, they brought him in as the ringmaster, who was just going to be this cold, um, just wrestling machine, and. Um, and it didn't work. It didn't work. But eventually, he just became himself, and and was allowed to become himself. And uh, it took one promo to get him over. And and the next day, everybody was like three sixteen signs that next night at Raw. It's so crazy. Why did they Why did they latch onto that date? It seems. Well, what happened was it was it was so Jake the Snake Roberts uh, was. Um, wrestling in the wwe at that time right he was on his like i'm i'm not an alcoholic anymore i'm fat but i'm coming i'm on a comeback i'm on now i'm not an alcoholic which was cool and then they're just like and he was screw you we're gonna use and we're gonna use you to get yeah oh he was a bible thumper that's where they get the 316 so so so, uh, you know austin said jake snake you're gonna come up here and and you're going to quote your psalms and your praises when austin 316 says i just whooped your ass right 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 boom pop and I, I, as far as I know, that line was improvised. Oh, my God. Which, which is because that line sold so many T-shirts. Can of whoop ass, 316. Mm-hmm. Those are two T-shirts right there. You know, like, and it just launched Austin. And then what happened was at WrestleMania, well, the Royal Rumble came, which was fantastic, which was great. But at WrestleMania, he wrestled Brett. And Brett was like the number one guy. And they switched spots in that match where Brett left as the heel and Stone Cold was the face. Because <coughs> this that, is when Bret Hart was like, screw the, f- screw my American fans. Yes. Yeah. And it was like, 97 for Bret Hart was very exciting because he was so like anti-American, which is funny because he's American as well. Um, <laughs> you know, he's just... He's just fr- is he a, a U.S. citizen? Yeah. His oh, mom, interesting. His mom is uh, U.S. Oh, that's citizen. hilarious. So he has double visas. So, um, so, but he hails from Canada, so he's Canadian. All right. But, well, it was a good gimmick to, like, put him as a heel because all the, I mean, all of the American, there isn't one American fan that's going to like him after that. Oh, exactly. And, and, and he, you know, but he was so popular in Canada and the rest of the world. And it was just such an amazing thing to do that with someone. But Stone Cold and Brett meet, and it was like Brett giving him the, the ball, like, go, you know, yeah. you're going to take it from here. And then Brett was faded out of the WWE and Stone Cold. And once Brett was gone totally, you know, it was just Stone Cold's playground. Yeah. And uh, and it, and it's fantastic and it's amazing because the matches he would eventually have with The Rock that would come up, which you're going to eventually Don't spoil it. That. Don't spoil it. You know, uh, Jericho. <laughs> People are like, are you serious? You haven't seen that? It's, it's tough watching matches against Chris Benoit. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Chris Benoit match, you might want to skip because it's like, uh, you immediately start thinking, oh, what did he do? Yeah. Oh, oh, I know what he did. Yeah. Um. So, so, but yeah, and it's. I just, great. I love that. And I was like, I'm just trying to think, like, why it is I actually like wrestling because it. 
and then I, like watching that stone cold run i realized like oh some of these angles really fucking hit can hit home and be really personal like that whole like in my 20s i probably would have loved steve, stone cold steve austin even though i wasn't watching wrestling just because of that whole screw you know screw the boss yeah that whole that whole thing i love that so much like no wonder people cling on to it so much that was such a brilliant thing to be like he will not listen to authority fuck authority like that was the whole thing in the early 90s he's the working man and he's the everyday man he's the blue collar guy and you know what and he doesn't like his billionaire boss yeah you know what his boss is an asshole and, and he's gonna he's actually gonna tell him and he can't get fired for it like yeah th- that feels so good like you just want that story to be real you want that to be your story like well fuck my boss you can't touch me i'll fucking put a stunner on you exactly the stone cold vince mcmahon feud is the greatest feud in the history of wrestling yeah because and again but it's because it's so relatable. Almost everybody hates everybody their boss, hates or who has boss. had a boss that exactly. they that they want to put a stunner on. And and as good as Stone Cold is, Vince McMahon is equally as good as you wanting to hate that character. Yes, yeah. Um, he is the greatest bad guy of all time, and uh, and you're only as good as your bad guy. That's why Stone Cold is so great. But I always say Hogan because. Hogan was great. Like I loved Hulkamania, and just when you thought he was washed up, because uh, the '80s were gone, he reinvents himself and he becomes Hollywood Hogan, mm-hmm. and he becomes the number one bad guy in wrestling. Uh, well, besides Vince McMahon, right. Hogan and him were the two bad guys. In but it was such a heel turn that it's like insane. Yeah, and he was such a great heel as well. Like it's it's one thing to be, you know, like. Ric Flair is the same whether he's a heel or a face. He's still Ric Flair. Right. But Hogan had to change his entire personality. He changed his color scheme. He changed his wardrobe. Mm-hmm. He, er, he changed his style of wrestling. Uh, everything he did, he changed and became the exact opposite of what he was. And and, and, it, and it worked. And that's why I think like he's the best because his career went over two decades uh, where he was on top as the number one guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Austin, though, is just a phenom, though, because those pops, like when you hear the glass break, there's nothing ex- more exciting than. Right. You know. Dun 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 yeah. dun dun. And it's the best. Music I was just listening to his podcast where he talks to, I think we mentioned this at GCW that yeah. night, but like, the, the is it Jim Johnston, the music composer? Yes. He, ta- he tells about. Steve asked him how he wrote that song. He wrote it in eight hours, just fiddling around on the guitar, had it all down, and was like, it just needs one more thing. And then uh, it was the glass. He figured out that he had to have a glass shatter at the beginning, and that just made the song. Well, I think... And the specific... He gets into, like, the specific type of glass and how the shatter needed to sound. It's pretty crazy. And, you know, it's crazy because, like, a lot of the songs that he wrote after that, like Mick Foley's music, Started with a, a car accident, a screech, and a oh, interesting. Da, 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 yeah, da, da. but you heard something, and then that riff, and then you knew what wrestler was coming to the ring. Yeah, and uh, and they were very. He was very good at writing all the music for that. Like you know, Val Venus used to be like, you'd hear like a door open. And I'm like, hello, ladies, and then the music would hit, so you know exactly right. who was coming. Or oh. 
you think you know me? Now, this is just a ripoff of Rage Against the Machine. Oh, that. Dude, I literally, because like I've been watching that run for the yeah. first time, I was like, is this Rage Against the Machine? It took me a while until they, until they um, one of the WrestleManias, I think, where they, they had the live band playing it. Yeah. And I looked, I'm like, that's not Rage. <laughs> no, no. But it's, I didn't want to look it up. I was just like trying to figure it out in my head. It like, definitely tries is to that, sound to be like It rage. sounds exactly like Rage. Yeah. And wrestling uh, is great at doing that. Like Jimmy Hart, who was writing a lot of the WCW songs at that time for WCW, he was ripping off songs left, right, and center. Like uh, Diamond Dallas Page's "Self High Five is uh, Nirvana. Oh, like, that's hilarious! It's like the, the just same sounds. Riff. Yeah, just. But again, it's off the same, by one note. The same formula. It starts off "Self High Five, and then dang, the riff, and everybody goes nuts. Right? Mm-hmm. It's almost. Wrestling fans can be trained very easily, I find, you know, to respond to certain... Right, when something works, it's like, here we go. That's what you do now. Or matches or something, they'll all start chanting the same chant. They're very... they're very dog-like hey, wait, or sheep-like. We never talked about that other, the second death match at GCW. The yes. one that the one that I had to walk away from. Yes, <laughs> with the with the with the light bulbs. I just got like, I put on the surgical mask, and then I was like, I I don't like not breathing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> but it's some like, people like to. I don't like it. I didn't like being smothered, and I felt being smothered. Like I'd rather just take my shirt and put it up over my nose and mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, which I did, but the surgical mask bothered me at the at first. Uh, once the tubes, like I didn't. So the last death match I was at, the Nick Cage one with uh, our cat, they brought out the tubes. Everybody cleared. The, the stage where we were at the side of the at the side of the ring, and I was the only one standing there, and I'm breathing it all in. Nobody told me that you can't breathe in, that you shouldn't breathe in for the light tubes. <coughs> yeah, I can't believe the wrestlers themselves do it. I mean, Nick Gage has got to have mesothelioma at this point. Oh, and just like it's crazy, like the the busting of the tubes, like they're busting four tubes on a guy at at, at, at the same time. Yeah, it's, and then they're falling in the glass, and there's so many cuts. Yeah. That. So the reason I liked the last death match, which was the Nick, Nick Gage one, is what I was saying. It was a great match, and it was a death match. Yeah. This one, it was like they came out to the ring. They barely fought at all. There was no semblance of, like, we're even mad at each other. They just started get, pulling out just the tubes. Pulling out the tubes. And it was so weak. Even the very first swing he took with the tube didn't break the light bulb tube. Yeah. And right there I was like, all right, this match, you're not going to get this match over with me. No, <laughs> because of that, and then it was just like they were just cutting each other to shock the audience, and there was no fighting. Yeah, and was- so that's why I was like, if I'm gonna watch the blood, at least give me an, a thrilling match. And so I'm like, I'm not gonna just sit here and watch this blood. So I, in protest, I just went and left and went outside for a minute and kind of well, ordered some food. Probably the grossest thing I've ever seen in wrestling happened, where um, they used a skewer. And they skewer and they oh my the skewer through the cheeks, through the guy's cheek, in through his mouth, in through the other cheek, and out. So he had the skewer from one side of his face all the way to the other side of his face. If his name was Bob, it became Shishka Bob, and it did not look good. And he held that there for a while before they pull it out, and then they used the skewers to like to stick into the guy's forehead. And that was crazy. Yeah, I just, well, I mean, what was the point? Like, if you're not actually going to fight and do this kind of stuff, it just didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. No, and one, like, it's like, dude, like, 
yeah, you put on a show, but don't impale anyone. Like, yeah, I glanced over a little bit during that match from afar, and I was like, he has a skewer in his cheeks. He was like up, you know, standing up on the turnbuckles to the audience. And I was like, no, 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 I'm definitely out till this is over. Yeah, I think I got a burger during that match. I got the Manser burger. Hey, I got the Manser too. It was get, great. Uh, I, I like pineapple on a burger. It was a really good burger, and hell, you know, yeah. If it's Manser, is my new favorite indie wrestler, by the way. <laughs> After that match, it's going to be hard for me not to. No, I really I like, like him, Mancer. and I love, I love his song. Is that a is that a song already, or is that a song that's composed for his entrance? What song has he come out to? I don't know the name of it, but what's hilarious about it is it's probably a four or five minute song, and he doesn't come out until two minutes into it. And oh wait, well no no, are you talking? He does he come out to Simple Man? Maybe it is. It's like, it's, it's like a simple kind of man. I'm not sure. Like, it's like, it, like it's, it's just kind of like an acoustic number, and it builds and builds and builds, and yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, when yeah. is he coming out? And he, then it's like two minutes in, he, he comes out finally. Yeah, he comes out at the course. Yes. Where they, they play the whole first verse, and then he comes out at the course. It's so hilarious. I love that. singing along with it. And it is, it is Simple Man. And... Uh, and it's great because Shinedown does a cover of it, but it's Leonard Skinner, and I believe, are the first people to do it. But yeah, that um, makes sense because he's but, the Southern psycho. Yeah, and uh, and and it's a great song, but like it's just like Jesus Christ, when are they fucking coming out? And like, yeah, I noticed on both shows that I saw him on, he waited specifically till the chorus hits. Yes. It so. takes a while, and you're kind of looking around, and then you're like, you start talking, and then you're like, wait, is somebody coming out? And like, it takes it so actually, long. yeah, or you know, like, I got to start to know the guy's songs. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tony Deppin comes out to, I think, We Built This City on Rock and Roll. You know, it's very 80s come out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he's dancing and doing the thing. And and, uh, and I, I always enjoy Tony Deppin matches. He's not very big, but he's a hell of a performer. Was he the snot guy? Um. I don't know. In the blue and orange trunks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he yeah. wiped snot on that woman in the front row, and it was so hilarious. Oh, my God. I didn't even see that. Because she was flipping him off. Yeah. I think he might have been over still. Yeah. Over. And then, so she was that girl in the front row that was flipping off the wrestlers, and she had her fucking middle finger right in his face, and he, like, held his hand in front of his nose, blue snot on it, and then wiped it on the side of her cheek and neck. And uh, everybody was like, boo, and she, even she was like, you motherfucker. But it was a great move. I was like, I hate you. I Immediately, he was over with me as a heel. Yeah, and he's just such a, you know, he looks like a school teacher by day. Yeah. And, you know, like, <laughs> Some people showed me his Instagram pictures where he's like with his dog and his wife, and you're yeah, like, oh, you like, don't oh, look like the snot guy there. Well. It's sort of like when I watched uh, NWA Power, um, you know, when I see Tim Strong, I, I'm like he does look like a gym teacher, like he's like when he, he's a former three-time NWA champ, but he's also a gym teacher. Yeah, he's that that old guy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, the old he's guy yeah, he's like, hilarious. He's questioning whether he's good or not. These I love days. yes, I love that promo or that they attempt to interview him on episode two after he lost, and they're like, "What do you yeah. have to say?" And he just sort of put looks down to the ground and walks away. I was <laughs> like, "Yeah, that is so brilliant." And last week they like. Uh, one of the wrestlers, I think it was Aldis, had to pull him aside at the side. It was like, and it was so cool because it was at a point where he's like, hey, you're better than this, you know, and he's giving him a, a pep speech. But because he pulled him away from the side, 
you had to like turn up the TV to hear it. To hear it, just like and oh, like, that's great. And I thought, whoever thought of that is great because if you're into the show, you're like, I want to hear what they're saying. So you lean in, you turn up the TV. You think you're getting something that wasn't supposed to be heard, even though it was exactly. And but it's still the idea of that. Is something I've never seen in wrestling before, and that just adds to it. It's very yeah. It's very I don't know what episode that is. I've only seen one and two so far. I'm kind of taking it slow. Yeah. Well, Billy Corgan, congratulations. Yes. On, on a great year, you, you had a fantastic Pumpkins tour. It's funny because I was watching him on Joe Rogan, and he was like, Rogan was having me like, "What do your Smashing Pumpkins fans think about the wrestling?" They like, hate oh, it. they hate it. He's like, "They hate it. They can't even believe it." Yeah. And I'm the opposite because I, I actually actively do not like the Smashing Pumpkins. And I've never liked Billy Corgan because I'm, I'm a Pearl Jam guy. And yeah. he always talks smack about Eddie Vedder. So I've always been like, fuck Billy Corgan. Yeah, what are you, a vampire? Yeah, but now I actually like him for this NWA thing. So, I, Billy, you, you won me over somehow. I love Billy Corgan. Um, I, I love the Pumpkins. And, uh, and like, I've seen them back in the day. Like, yeah. I saw them in 96 yeah. on this on the Infinite Sadness Tour and all that. And uh, he hit on my old friend Leanne, like, gave her free tickets, put her front row, and, like, was singing to her. Oh, um, my God. My friend's like, this is weird. <laughs> you know? And, like, I remember I saw it at the concert, and I was like, I don't even know you like the Smashing Pumpkins. What are you doing here? She's like, Billy gave me tickets. And I'm like... I, we have a friend called we have a friend Billy. I'm like, why would Billy give you tickets? You don't even like him. You don't even like Smashing Pumpkins. He's like, no, Billy. I'm like, Billy who? He's like, Billy, Billy, Billy. I'm like, Billy. And she's like, the you singer? Him? That guy I'm up like, there on the stage? Like, Billy Corrigan? And she's like, yeah, he gave me tickets. And like, she used to work at Club Monaco. I guess he was there looking for turtlenecks the time. That's you know? so funny. And uh, he had a security <laughs> guard with him. He just gave all the girls passes to go to the show tonight but my friend Leanne had no idea who he was and he and all the girls are like where are your tickets and they're like all sitting together in the 100s and Leanne's like first row center and because she's the hottest one and uh, you know and he's she's blonde at the time she was like a track star and a model so you know <coughs> it was crazy but uh, yeah but I've always liked Billy Corgan and uh, I like when the, he would on his Twitter, they're like, if you don't like the fact that I like wrestling, just get the fuck off my page. That's amazing. And, you know, he's like, I like wrestling, and I like, and also I love him because he interviewed one year in Guitar Magazine, he interviewed Eddie Van Halen. So, if you love Eddie Van Halen, I love you for loving Eddie Van Halen, because I love Eddie Van Halen. So, it's just, that's the way it is, so I've always loved Billy Corgan. And I love what he's done. You know, and the guy, because like, Everybody's signed up with someone these days. AEW has a lot of wrestlers signed. New Japan has a lot of wrestlers signed. Uh, Ring of Honor has a lot of wrestlers signed. WWE has a lot of wrestlers signed. Uh, MLW has a lot of wrestlers signed. To get the talent that he has in NWA, like, what wrestlers are left? You know, you have to make stars or you have to find stars. And he's done a good job. It seems like it'd be easy to get people to want. I bet wrestlers really want to wrestle on that. And especially now that the word is spread and people can see what it looks like. It's like, "Mm, I want to be on that. If I was a wrestler, I would want to be on NWA. Vince and uh, Matt are going to the tapings in December. Yeah, he told me that. I'm excited. I'm going to try and go next year, I think. Well, Atlanta, you know, that's where they tape them. Yeah, I'll be there. I'm going to go there. 
yeah. to, to the taping eventually. You've taped things in Atlanta. In, I've in taped the past. Thi- I have taped things in Atlanta. Almost, it's so funny. Like all my directing work, the last three or four gigs have been in Atlanta. Yeah. So I go. I live in L.A. I go to Atlanta to work. I guess. Where did Where did you tape Todd special? Uh, we taped that here at the Hyperion. Um, Was no, not at the Hyperion. I'm sorry, at the Lyric, not the one on Hyperion, the one on La Brea. Okay. The Lyric Theater, yeah. That's, I love that special. Oh, thanks, man. I love... Um, well, thank Todd, but... Well, I thank Todd so much. I've already thanked Todd. Oh, okay. But, but no, I do... I love the uh, the fact that you couldn't use any of the music that had money value to it, so you just had to use the free songs that were... Mm-hmm. I guess that was the gag, and there's only three songs you can choose from. Yeah, there's like the, the public domain music is all we could use. So yeah, it was, which is the best. Yeah. And I love... Uh, the mic drop segments where he was just going oh my god yeah so funny it's so fun. funny it's a fun special he really he really nailed that and yeah everything was great because like i like that special to me is more todd than his previous special yeah his previous special i mean yeah even he would admit that he didn't enjoy the process of that or didn't do it right or whatever yeah but i think it was also production company limitations yeah, you know, your specials. Um, so we, yeah, we gave him, like, what is it you want to do? <laughs> again, all of that? Great. We're going to do all that. And that's fantastic. And it's just like when you, when you know, your special with Royce Goble, uh, Royce, well, both of them are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I love um, the the first one. I love the that. Charleston special, the Charleston very show. difficult to find at this point. Well, yeah, because it was on CISO. It was CISO, on CISO, and now, it, now, no, CISO. now Rory owns it, and I don't think it's gone anywhere. I think it's just offline right now well even though at some point it popped up on youtube and we just chose to let it be so people could see it, it had like ten thousand views well it's so good like, but now like, it's gone it's, yeah because all the piano stuff that rory's done is in that special yeah and that stuff is all gold because it's didn't really so funny do a lot of that on conan or not then he did it all in a special mm-hmm. and where he plays the piano himself yes not and not his buddy adam no and it's and it's amazing and it's such a great special. Even the the Band-Aid cut, you know, was stuff. Oh, my God. I'm one of these nerds who, like, collects things and saves things. I have that napkin with his blood on it. <laughs> I saved I saved that from that special, and I saved, saved something else. Flag. No. <laughs> well, Rory has the flag. That's the flag his dad gave him that used to hang in the post office in oh, that's Ca- South Carolina. Yeah. Well, I love the stage. I love the setup. And then, the, of course, the later special. Roy tries stand up for the first time, which was shot in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you Relapse, did that yep. With, uh, with Third Man Records. Third Man, yeah. So what was that? How was that? Like we're working with Jack White. Now we've shifted off of wrestling, but if we have someone on the show who's accomplished great things, uh, sometimes you got to talk about these great things. Yes, yeah, so we'll get back to wrestling. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you my favorite personal wrestling story of all time. It will melt your heart. All right. So, but until then, yeah, J- uh, Jack was obviously amazing. I mean. Getting to even be in the same room with him is cool, but like he's very down to earth. And I remember it was like, it was when things were ramping up towards the election, and he was obsessed with Trump, like all of us. So it was like yeah. that's almost all we could talk about yeah. when we weren't shooting that little piece that kind of falls in the center of the special. Um, but they were just amazing because they didn't they didn't even ask one question like what are you doing? They let us do it. And now you see, folks, that's what happens when you let the artists do it. That's what the NWA is doing. They're letting talented people be talented. That's what AEW. That's what AEW is doing. Uh, they're letting the people just be themselves. Uh, that's what a lot of these places are doing now. They're like, look, it, we're not giving you written promos. But every now and again, you see a promo, and you're like, 
No, that's why not everybody should be doing their own promos. You know, every now and again. Right, you do have to have some talent. writer. Yes. To take a storyline a certain way. But uh, for the most part, if you just stick to the basic storylines of wrestling, good versus evil, and take it from there, it's very easy to write. It, you don't need any yeah. super As Jim Cornette says, it's like, who hates who? Who do you hate? Why do you hate him? And what are you going to do to him? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's basically all you need. Exactly. Exactly. So where are we right here in the show? Oh, yeah, we've got to wrap up. So you'll tell us. Yeah, we're already at 50 minutes. We've passed the oh. So So, yeah, tell me uh, the greatest wrestling story that you have. I mean, it's not the greatest. It, it's my greatest wrestling well, story. Yeah, but this is – so I went to wrestling in Spokane, Washington, where I grew up in 1985 and 6, I think. Maybe okay. 6 and 87. And the first time was great. My uncle took me, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Uh, nobody of – no, but the second time when my dad took me was when I was going to see Beefcake versus Honky Tonk, and Beefcake was my guy. Beefcake didn't show up. What? He was a no-show. Ah. I'm still mad at him, and when I meet him, eventually I will – Tell him that? I will tell him that. Yeah, I'll tell him that too. Please do. Anybody who knows Beefcake, be like, that event in Spokane, you really crushed Scott Moran's heart. Yeah. But what did end up, there was something cool happened there. That was, I think, when uh, Andre the Giant was either teamed up with the Islanders or Demolition. No, he would have been teamed up with, with Haku probably from the Islanders. Yes. Yeah. So he was, but Demolition was also on the card okay. that night. Yeah. And we were leaving the venue after the show. It was a great show. I was a kid. I loved it, obviously. And there was just a bunch of people waiting by the backstage door. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, Dad, Dad, stop, stop. And my dad was like, could not care less and we're sitting there for about 15 minutes just staring at this door there's probably 20 people kind of gathered around with cameras and things to sign and shit yeah and um my dad's like leaning down and going nothing's happening can we go and i was like no <laughs> and i just sat there and i waited i waited and i still got a car big old cadillac pulls up and or not pulls up it was just parked there by the door yeah and out walks bobby the brain heenan andre the giant and demolition without their masks or their face paint, and people are like, ah, you know, trying to get autographs, and they were just dicks to everybody, yeah. got in the car, Demolition gets in first, Heenan gets in to drive, Andre, passenger seat, that car went, er, er, like, one inch off the ground, and it just slowly backed away and left, and they didn't say anything to anybody, <laughs> it was amazing, well, so I was like, 10 feet away, I gotta watch Andre the Giant get into a car, it was insane. Last night... Not in comparison, but yet still. Um, we went to a bar after the Globe show at the the NJ, uh, the New Japan Wrestling Show. And uh, Naito is probably the biggest guy on the card mm -hmm. who's probably over the most. Because Tanahashi's not there. Nokata's not there. and uh, But uh, Naito was in the main against Jay White as well as it was a, a six-man tag. Now, uh, we walk into the bar and we see Naito. At the very end, and we're just like we didn't bother for a picture. He was just strolling with his luggage, and we're like, and we're like, great job, Nido, great job, being Vince. And we're like, and he gave us the nod, and he walked on, and we're like, that's cool. But what I love about your story, number one, is Andre the Giant was tag team partners with one of Demolition Axe. Uh, Demolition Axe was one of the machines, so when mm -hmm. they were the machines in Japan. Andre put yeah. on a mask. Yeah. And uh, Super Machine was the mass superstar who was axed from Demolition. So that's kind of cool that you saw that they were uh, you had the machines in a, in the car 
as well as Demolition right, and right. Bobby Heenan mm-hmm. and what a car. And number two, you said your dad didn't really give a crap. Uh, this brings me to, we'll close out on this, um, the Goldbergs this week did an episode, or last week, where, you know, it's only took seven seasons to get to wrestling. Uh, as being something from the 80s. Oh, my God. <laughs> so seven seasons in, they finally did a wrestling episode where they're they're both obsessed with wrestling, although it was never mentioned in seven years, but they both are obsessed with wrestling. They want to go to WrestleMania 4, and the father, Murray, has a health scare, so he wants to take them to the wrestling so they'll have a father-son memory even though he doesn't give a fuck about wrestling. Mm. And my dad took me to wrestling. He does not care about wrestling. <laughs> Your dad took you to wrestling, and he does not care mm. about wrestling. That was so, my uncle's job. Or, so <laughs> to uh, my uncle took me to wrestling also because he did want to go. Yes, my uncle my loved wrestling. Loved wrestling. But to the Never dads, understood my uncle. Favorite wrestler, Ted DiBiase. Never got that. But who's, anyways, who's my uncle. Wrestler? <laughs> it's always the million-dollar man. I'm like, why do you like it? That's the dream, to have a million dollars. I guess, buy yeah, and just be a dick to everybody. I guess we know who he is in his And heart. Ted DiBiase is such a nice guy. Um, so with that said, to all the, the, the parents that don't like wrestling, that took their kids to the wrestling because they wanted to make their kids happy, just thank you. I'll say that right now. And, uh, yeah, that, take uh, your kid to wrestling, even if you don't like it. They exactly. will love it. Get, get you never know. You never know when your eleven-year-old daughter is going to get to staple gun something to a man's forehead. Exactly, and or then bring know, home a new piece of equipment for the, the home. When the million-dollar man's going to challenge your son to dribble a basketball fifteen times, <laughs> and then kick it away from him and make him cry on national television in the meanest promo of all time, in the greatest. Yeah. Um, with that said, folks, thank you. Uh, for joining Scott. Scott, where can we find you online and what's going on with you these days? I am only on Instagram. It's Scott Moran 9876. And what's going on with me? I'm working on some new stuff for those of you excited about Rory Scoville special type things. All I'm going to say is things are a brewing. There we and go. And you folks. don't know what those things are going to be, so stop acting like you think you know. I do know what they are. Well, you do. You do. <laughs> you do, but other people don't. <laughs> He's like, you just kind of promo on me. No, he kind of promo on you, folks. Um, folks, Thank you for letting us put a headlock on your ears. Uh, from uh, Rory Scoville's patio, uh, Scott Moran and myself are here. And uh, thanking you for uh, joining us today. And uh, I'll talk at you next week. Uh, thank you for joining us on Never Sleep Networks. Never, uh, Never Sleeps Networks Talking Wrestling. Uh, we're out of here. Good night. Goodbye. And adios. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 